How's everybody today? My name's Seth. I'm one of the pastors here at Crossroads. Welcome. If this is your first time today, uh, welcome. We're glad you're here to join us today. Uh, I'm going to pray real quick and we'll get into the Word. Sound good? All right. Heavenly Father, we just come before you today and Lord, we ask that you would minister to our hearts today. Jesus, you'd meet us. Lord, we ask that for those who are, are wondering, what is my next step? How do I pursue Jesus? What direction do I go? Lord, I pray that today for everyone here that we would leave here with an idea of what is our next step for the next big win. Lord, do something, deposit something in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, I'm glad to be with you guys today. It's going to be good. So um, Christmas, I think it was uh, two Christmases ago. Uh, we, we finished up with Christmas. It was the day after, and I, I walked from the kitchen into the living room, and I noticed my youngest daughter was staring intently at the tree. And it wasn't the tree necessarily that she was staring at. It was an ornament on the tree. It was a, a little penguin made out of a soup can, and she was staring at it, just eyes locked. And, and, I, and I walked up to her, and I said, Hey, uh, how, how's it going? She said, fine. <laughs> Staring. What, what, what are you doing? I'm having a staring contest, Dad. <laughs> okay, all right. You winning? Yeah. All right, so I just backed up slowly backed out of the room and just left it at that, peeked around the corners, still staring, and just went about my business. And um, we all know how that was going to go. It was uh, a, a little while later, I don't even remember how long, a, a, a decent amount of time later, and I remember I was, I was spending some time with the Lord, and the Lord spoke to my heart, and He said, Hey, Seth, how you doing? And I said, I, I, I'm good. I was just praying. I said, I'm good. And the Lord spoke to my heart and he said, are you winning? And I thought, the Lord just put this picture in my head of my daughter staring at this ornament. And I thought, that spoke a whole lot to me. Because at that point, I, I, answering before the Lord, I just said, no, I, I guess I'm not. And what I realized is at that point in my life, it was easy to tell people I'm doing really well, but inwardly, I knew something was missing. There was something that still needed some work. There was something that the Lord still wanted to do, and I think as believers, sometimes we can get to that place where it's really easy to tell people, I'm doing great, I'm doing really good, but inwardly, we know there's something that still is missing, right? Every one of us, I think, when, when we said yes to Jesus, we knew that the Christian life was going to involve something of sacrifice, but it was going to come with the benefit of a, an awesome experience with the living God. The Christian life should be an adventure. It should be something that comes with joy and abundant life. It comes with hope. It comes with a peace regardless of our circumstances. I'm not talking about happiness, right? That's situational. I'm talking about something that we carry that is because of a work of the Holy Spirit within us that allows us to go through circumstances that are rough. How many of you know, and it's probably every hand in this room would go up, that following Jesus, we're still going to have difficult things in life, right? We're still going to struggle with stuff. But the cool thing is, the Bible doesn't promise a smooth flight, but it, causes, it promises a safe landing, right? If, if we look at this book, the Bible, from the book of Genesis, the very beginning, all the way to Revelation 21, which is about two-thirds of the way through the last book in the Bible, there are people struggling with difficult things. And we see the promise of God delivering them, carrying, through, carrying them through each one by joy and by peace. Regardless of their situation, regardless of their circumstance, the Holy Spirit carries them through. And that's what following Jesus is about. It comes with, with abundant life. It comes with joy. But I think sometimes we can be at a place where we think, I know it's there, but I just don't know where because I'm not experiencing that right now. Right? No hands, but I, I know there's people here that can relate to that today. 
So um, I, heard a, I heard a quote not too long ago, and it, sa- it says this, we can never talk ourselves out of a situation that we acted ourselves into. Right? I can never talk myself out of a situation I acted myself into. Just ask my wife. I've tried it. But honey, honey, let me explain. Doesn't go over so well, right? But here's, here's another truth, right? We can never read enough self-help books, Christian uh, betterment books to put us in a place or to get us out of a place that we acted ourselves into. We can never go to enough counseling to get ourselves out of a situation we acted ourselves into. It's going to require a behavior, isn't it? It's always going to require behavior. And this isn't to point out something bad. This is to point out something, something good that essentially, um, if we want to experience something different in our walk with Jesus, we have to do something different as we move forward. How many of you know life's about habits? Right? Life is about habits. Habits will make us or break us, right? What, what's, the, what's the saying, saying go, um, right? Uh, so, uh, so an action, reap a habit. So a habit, reap a destiny or reap a lifestyle, right? Our habits do so much. We know that it's absurd to, to think that we can continue with the same behaviors and expect different results, right? But yet sometimes on accident, we do that in our spiritual walk, in our walk with Jesus, we can do that and, and not realize, not understand what's the next action I need to take? What's the next thing I need, need to do, the thing I need to change, the habit I need to nurture in order to move on, right? Because life is about nurturing certain habits, and sometimes we can nurture the wrong habit. Here's what I mean by that. If I want to win a race, say I'm an Olympic runner, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time nurturing the habit of how to get on the starting line correctly, right? If you ever watch races, watch the Olympics, there's a way you do it. I mean, there's clearly a right way and a wrong way. And they spend a lot of time practicing how to get on the starting line correctly. This is not it. I mean, they don't look like me, right? I mean, they're like down, tails in the air, right? And they know you don't put your toe across the starting line. Because if you do, you get disqualified, right? So they nurture the habit of how to begin the race. But once they get that down... They continue that habit, but how many of you know they move on from there to practice the habit of how to run correctly, right? Now they're going to practice the right stride. They're going to practice how to breathe correctly. They're going to nurture the habit of how to cross the finish line even. There's a correct way to cross the finish line. They want to nurture the habits throughout the process so that they can get to the big win at the end. And every one of us as Christians want to get to that place of the big win, don't we? Where we know that our walk with Jesus is abundant, where we're experiencing joy in that walk, where we know when we pray, man, God, here's my prayers and I don't have a doubt about it. I know that God God is faithful, right? We want to be able to have that experience within our soul. How many of you know that This out here can be really messed up, but if our soul is healthy, it doesn't matter what's going on out here, right? Amen. So we're looking for that big win, and that's what I want to talk with us about today. What is the next habit that we need to nurture in order to get to that big win that the Lord has for us? And for some of us here, it may be that it's not necessarily the big win, it's the next win. Because there are little wins along the way, right? Again, for the runner, the first win is getting on the starting line correctly. The next win is getting that, that habit of the run correct. And then for the, ne- the next habit, getting to the finish line correctly. There's habits, habits, habits. We've got to nurture. And we don't want to get rid of the first habit. We want to maintain it. And then move on to the next one. Just a few decades uh, after Christ had risen from the grave and he ascended, about 25 years or so, um, the church was being heavily persecuted by the Roman government. In fact, there was a very specific group of Jewish Christians who were feeling it real hard. They were, they were being killed. They were being put out of their homes. They were, they were homeless. They didn't have food. They were heartbroken people who the Bible tells us were wanting to quit. 
They had come to the place where they said, you know what? Is it worth it? Somebody saw the pain and the struggle that they were going through and reached out to them by way of a letter. In fact, in your Bible, it's the book titled Letter to the Hebrews. We don't know who the author was. Doesn't say. The speculation is it was most likely Paul, but we don't know for a couple of different reasons. So um, you can ask me 15 years from now, and I'll probably still tell you the same thing. We don't have any idea. Unless there's some new archaeological evidence that somebody finds, we just don't know. But uh, the author reached out to this group of Christian believing Jews uh, to minister to them in their hurt, in their brokenness, and in their desire to quit. And I know that for, for some of us here today, we've either been there, are there, or are going to be there at a place where our hearts are broken. We don't understand our circumstances. We don't understand why we're at, where we're at. And we have to decide, do I give up? Is it worth it? And I'm going to tell you today, it's worth it. But I also want to lead us into the Word of God today and see what does the Word of God say about how do we get that next win so that we can keep from quitting, so that we can keep pushing ahead. Sound good? All right. All right, here we go. We're going to be in Hebrews uh, chapter 5, right between chapter 5 and chapter 6. And we're going to start with verse 12. And I want to preface this real quick by saying what we're going to read sounds like a rebuke. It sounds like the author is saying to them, Man, you need to just knock it off. But I want, I want to remind you again that the context of what we're reading, the first uh, four chapters of the book of Hebrews are dealing with going back and revisiting spiritual doctrine, the first things that we learn about, about following Christ. Right? He's talking about, here's the, here's the basics. And he's going back, and you remember, he's talking to, to Jewish people who, are, who have come from obeying the law, the Ten Commandments, essentially, right? And he's explaining to them why Christ is better than the law, why, he, why he, he's the one, right? He's going back and revisiting principles. So picking up in verse uh, 12 of chapter 5, again, this is not a rebuke. This is speaking to brokenhearted people who are at a place where they want to quit. So hear this. All right. For though by this time you ought to be teachers... You need some, someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you've come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. Let's pause there for just a minute. What's going on? It sounds like the author is saying, you're a bunch of babies. <laughs> you're not even, you just want spiritual milk. It's all you're on, right? But catch this, it's not, not what he's saying. He is talking to people, again, who are broken who are hurting and who want to quit, who have been detached from the Word of God. How many of you know when we start hurting and life starts getting rough, it's easy to shelf the Bible sometimes, isn't it? And we start focusing on our stuff. But what happens is if we're not growing, we're, de we're regressing. And they've come to the point where they're about to fall off the cliff backwards. And he's saying to them, not that you're a bunch of babies, that's not what he's saying to them. He's saying, you've come back to the place you need to be nurtured by the Word of God. That you need to be nurtured like a, like, a, like a young one, right? And we come to that place when we're hurting and we're broken where we need to be nurtured by the Word of God. Um, I have a question for you. So how long, can, uh, how long can we go without eating food? I mean, I, th I think like three or four weeks, right? I mean, some of you guys are probably like naked and afraid buffs. Right, just sitting at home watching Naked and Afraid on a Friday night. Nobody's around and they're starving to death, right? No, no of course not. Of course not. So um, I think you can go, they say, like three weeks. About three weeks without, without eating anything. Three or four weeks and you're, you're about done, right? How about, how long can you go without water? About, about three days, right? Three or four days, and you start shriveling up like, like a prune, and you're gone. How about oxygen? How long can you go without, without breathing, right? I mean, probably, I mean, probably somebody like real hardcore who practices holding their breath for a long time, maybe four or five, maybe six minutes, Right, three minutes tops for me, about forty-five seconds, and I'm going to drop over on the side of the stage here. 
Yeah, should we try it? No, it's not going to last long. Yeah, I'm going to be going over. The Bible says in John chapter 36 that Jesus is the bread of life. Right? Jesus is the bread of life. His disciples came to him and said, said, Jesus, have you eaten anything? We need to give you some food. And he says, I've got stuff to eat that you don't even know about. He was referring to going and spending time with the Father. Another time, two chapters later, Jesus is at a well with a woman and he's talking to her and she's sharing some things that she's struggling with. And, and he says, if you knew who you were talking to, I'm the Messiah, the one that's been prophesied about. If you knew who I was, you would ask me for water and I would give you living water that your soul would never thirst again. The Bible says in... Uh, 2 Timothy 3.16, let's put it up here on the the screen, we'll read it together. It says, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting and training in righteousness that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work, right? The word of God, it says in in the book of Psalms also that that the Bible is like breath. It's like like God's breath to us, but it says right here that, that it's like our oxygen to our soul, So I want to ask you again, how long can we go without eating? How long can we go without breathing? How long can we go without water, right? But yet sometimes we'll take the word of God, stick it on a shelf, and and leave it there for months, don't we? We've got to be people of the word. That's what the author is telling the Hebrews. He's saying we've got to be nourished by the word of God. When we're feeling heartbroken, when we're feeling like we want to quit, we've got to be nurtured by the word of God. And I I have people that have come to me and say, you know what? Um, I just don't get it, though. I just can't read it because I, I just, if I start reading it, I just, it's, it's, just not, it's just not there for me, right? Here's the thing. Have you ever seen somebody who's malnutritioned try to eat a meal? Google it. You can't. You can't stomach a big plate of food. It's, it's little pieces at a time. When someone's rescued at, at sea, they've been floating around or they've been lost somewhere and they've been malnutritioned, they can't hold down much. Right? We get malnutritioned when we're detached from the Word of God. We've got to take in pieces. If, if that's you, start getting in the book, of, the book of Psalms and just start reading little pieces and start developing that habit. Right? Learning the Word of God, allowing it to, 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 to nurture you back to health. So what's the next step? Maybe that's the win for you. What's the, let's see what, what the author says next. We're going to pick up in uh, verse 14. It says, but solid food belongs to those who are of full age, right? That's who, those who are becoming more mature, those who are, who are growing from being nurtured in the word of God. That is those who by reason of use, catch that part, by reason of use, they're gonna use it for a reason, right? Those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. By reason of use, Learning to, to use the good, right? We're learning to use the good. What's that called? Character. As we invest ourselves in the word of God, as we begin to grow and be nurtured by the Holy Spirit, something begins to develop in us, and it's character. The Bible, God's word, begins to develop in us, making the right choices, choosing the right thing, and acting upon it. Until... I will, I will never become, we will never become people of our word until we first become people of his. That sounds like a catchy phrase, but it's a reality. I'll tell you why. Because the word of God is where absolute truth is found. It comes from the character of God. It was delivered us, to us through the word of God. Right? Absolute truth. I'll, I'll tell you what absolute truth is. It means it's right and the same for everybody, everywhere, every time. We live in a culture where things are very relative, Right? But let me give you an example of absolute truth, okay? Um, One of the Ten Commandments, don't steal. We could all think of situations where uh, we could justify stealing, couldn't we? I mean, if we get crazy about it, you know, if the the zombies actually happened, right, and and we needed to get food for our families, and the the AR-15 ran out of ammo, I've got to get food, right, so I might have to steal something. So I could justify, I could justify that, right? But here's the thing, being the same for everybody, everywhere, every time, 
means it's absolute. So this, that's not the scale we use, not about what we would do, but think about how we feel when somebody takes from us, right? Everybody, everywhere, every time feels violated when they're taken from, right? Uh, love. Let's, let's go with uh, love your neighbor, okay? Principle in, in the Word of God. Um, does everybody deserve love? We can think of a whole lot of people in our culture that we say, you know what, they've been locked up for a reason. They've done really bad things. They, they do not deserve anybody's love, right? But again, we don't base uh, absolute truth on, on what we would give, but I can tell you that everyone, everywhere, every time wants to experience love, right? It's an absolute principle founded on the character of God, and it's only found in the Word of God, the, the unchanged, unmovable Word of God. When we invest ourselves in it and we invest it into us, it begins to change our character. It begins to change us. That's why we, we have a culture where when we get detached from the Word of God, even, even uh, those who have followed Christ for a long time, we can fall into a habit of shelving the Word of God. And what happens is our character can begin to, to, to depreciate. It can begin to, to degrade. That's why I, I talk to people who have been married for 25 years who have walked with Jesus for 30 who say, you know what, I know I made a promise to my wife that I would never leave her nor forsake her for better or for worse and I made a promise but you know what, do I really need to keep that promise? I mean, do I really? Right? When we detach ourselves from the word of God, the absolute truth, our character can begin to break down. We have to stay invested in the word of God that maintains our character. It shapes us, Right? Our integrity, those things come from the Word of God. So that might be your win. Again, we're looking for the win here, right? Our win might be investing ourselves in the Word of God and allowing our character to grow so that we can be people of our Word, so that we can represent Christ when we go to the world. Let's pick it up. Um, Chapter 6, verse 1 says this, Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles. What's he talking about here? He's talking about all the things he started sharing in chapter 1, verse 1, all the way through to here. The elementary principles. He's going back and he's revisiting those. He says, let's leave the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ and let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation. And then he lists some some doctrines here. Listen to what these are. The foundations of, of repentance. Right, repentance is when we turn from sin, when we first come to God and we say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. Will you forgive me? Will you be my Lord? Will you be my Savior? And we come into that relationship with God, right? Repentance. And repentance from dead works. That's trying to appease God by the way that we, the way that we act. Right? There was a gentleman I talked to just this week who, who uh, showed up to church and, and he said, I need to come to church, I need to come to church because God doesn't hear my prayers. If I come to church more, God will hear my prayers. And I got, to, I got the opportunity to minister to him and pray with him. But the reality of it is that we can fall back on trying to appease God. Right? And that's not God's heart for us at all. Right? Christ has paid the price for us and he invites you to come to him through his grace. So, so he doesn't want to lay foundations again about repentance and repentance from dead works. Faith towards God, right? The just will live by faith. Or the doctrine of baptisms. How many of you know there's more than one? We did one this morning. There's another one, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You need it. This year, we're going to be talking more about it. In fact, uh, throughout the year, we're going to be offering some small group classes about the Holy Spirit. I want to encourage you guys, come, get involved in them. They're really awesome. We just did one with our, with our men's, uh, men's ministry. It's right on. It's awesome. Uh, Doctrine of baptisms, laying on of hands. How many of you know that this is a, a doctrine of the church to, to lay hands on people and to pray for them and that miraculous things happen, right? The, the author's saying, we don't need to revisit this stuff again. We're moving on. The resurrection of the dead. There was a, a group of Jews who didn't believe in the resurrection of the dead and they had to reteach that Jesus rose, our Savior. He rose from the dead, right? That was conflicting for some people but they're moving past it. And this we will do if God permits. Say that with me. And this we will do if God permits, right? 
That's what he says. God willing will move past this stuff. That's what he's saying. We've got to move past this stuff. Romans 12, 2 says this. Where's it at? Awesome. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Right? We're, we're moving on and we're allowing God's word to shape the way that we think so that we can know God's will and we can do something different. Right? We're changing habits. Uh, growing kids are hungry, aren't they? I have a teenager at home. She invites her friends over, and they'll start at one end of the kitchen like a tornado, and they work their way through, devouring anything with chocolate. I can get up at 11 o'clock at night, I need some chocolate. It's gone. There's none. And then they make their way back through and eat anything with cheese. I can get some crackers out. Man, I don't need cheese. Right? Growing kids are hungry. Teenagers gobble up everything. We get hungry as we're growing in the word of God. We get hungry to grow in our spirit. We go to church where we flip on Joel Olstein five days a week and, and we take in as much as we can. We become Christian consumers. It is a good, healthy thing. It is. It's a good, healthy thing. We grow. We want to go to church more. After high school, when I gave my life to Jesus, I was in high school. I think it was my, my uh, junior year. And after school, me and my friend would get into 73 Buick Riviera, the biggest car ever made. And we would drive that thing to, to the church that we started going to. And we were there like probably two, three days, four days a week, just after school, just hanging out in the parking lot. I want to grow. We'd go find the youth pastor and bug the stink out of them. And we'd find other pastors, and they would say, go see the youth pastor. <laughs> because we were hungry, we wanted to grow, right? We were Christian consumers just taking it, taking it all in. We were growing. Paul says, don't forsake the gathering together of yourselves, right? We wanted to, we wanted to grow, but here's the thing. We've got to move past that, God willing, right? We've got to be, move past, move, move to what? Here's the, here's the thing, here's the thing. We, there are so many believers that get stuck at this spot. We get stuck at this spot. We, we take in the word of God. We begin to grow in our character. We start investing in church. We start going to church. Awesome stuff. We start feeding on the word of God and, and, and getting all the influence that we can, and then we stay there. And I hear so often I go to church, I read the word of God, but I feel stagnant. I feel like I don't, I don't have joy. Listen to what the author says here. We've got to move past this, God willing. If God permits, let's move on. On to what? What are we moving on to? What's the big goal? What's the big win? I love the, the thought gets completed in another book. And it's the book of Ephesians. We're going to turn there real quick. Ephesians chapter 4. Paul talks about what does the big win look like? Because it may be that, that the habit that you're going to nurture, the next big win for you is allowing the, the Word of God to nurture you. It may be that the next big win for you is investing in the Word of God and growing daily and allowing our character to be shaped. It may be, the, be that the next big win for you is, is uh, investing in growing in, in the doctrines of the Word of God and going to church and be, becoming part of the, 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 the body, right? It may be that the next big win for you is this next part. Let's take a look. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 says this, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be pastors, and some to be teachers, for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. Let's pause there for just a minute. He gave some to be pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. Aaron and Beth did an awesome job on VBS. Fantastic job. Here's the thing though. If Aaron and Beth are doing the work of the ministry, they're not doing the work of the ministry. 
What did this just say? Let's look at it again. He's given pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. If Aaron and Beth are doing the work of the ministry, they're not doing the work of the ministry. Right? He says that we're, we're to equip the saints. Who's the saints? It's us. Right? And you know what they did? They got a team of about 40 people and they equipped them to lead kids for an entire week into the presence of Jesus and they knocked it out of the park. They knocked it out of the park. And you know what? The coolest thing I saw this week after every one of these, these times were over would be 40 adults rallying together afterwards, high-fiving each other and talking about the great things that God did the cool things that God did throughout the week. There were story after story I would hear about the things God was doing throughout the week. It was awesome. It was really neat. In August 2017, Time Magazine published an article about the secret to happiness. It was summed up like this. The secret to happiness is helping others. Here are some of the keys and in, in, in some of the things that, that were said. Fellowship with others, unified in purpose, behind a great vision, Doing our part produces a great life. Winston Churchill said, we make a living by what we get. We make a great life by what we give. Let's keep reading. Ephesians 4, 12, again, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And here, here's, here's the win. Till we all come to the unity of faith. That's all coming to faith, growing together. And of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure and stature of fullness of Christ. That's what Paul talks about throughout the entirety of his writings, that we're growing to become more like Christ. And he's saying we do it together. Listen to this part, verse 14. That we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine and trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. He's talking about when, when we're not in relationship, when we're not in that fellowship growing together. It's easy to get shaken, isn't it? When we're, when we're living uh, our Christian walk by ourselves, it's difficult. That's what he's talking about right here. Verse 15, but speaking the truth in love, we may grow in all things into him who is head, Christ, from whom the whole body is joined and knit together by what every joint supplies. I believe the joint that supplies, that's the Holy Spirit at work amongst the churches, right? According to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth in the body for the edifying of itself in love. See, here's the end game, right? Here's the win, right? This is the grand win. God's plan for us as a church, as the body of Christ, is to be able to come together in fellowship, in deep relationships with one another, using the gifts God's given us to further His kingdom and to help one another to grow. That's where we link arms and we grow together. That is the ultimate win. See, for some of us, the win is investing ourselves in the Word of God. It's where we have to start. We have to get to the place when we have a broken heart and we can go before the Lord and say, God, I just hurt. Lord, I want to give up. And the Lord would say, I want to nurture you back to health. Allow my Word to permeate your soul. Invest yourself in it. And when we do that, we begin to grow. And God begins to shape our character. That might be your win. It may be when we're broken, sometimes we feel like, you know, I, I just can't go to church. I just can't get there. It's too hard. And the Lord would invite you and we would invite you and say, you know what, come be part. Come and be part. God wants to heal you. And that might be the next big struggle, but it's your win. That is your next win to come and to grow together. But the big win for all of us is when we can link arms together and use the gifts that God's given us to further the body of Christ 
to help one another grow. And like I said, I gave the example of Vacation Bible School. That was such a great example of the church at work. And that is firing on all eight cylinders. That is the the gears are greased and it is running at 100% capacity. And it was blessing kids and it was a blessing to the people who were there. It was awesome. Another example I see is our, our, our men's ministry and our women's ministry when these groups are coming together and they're encouraging one another and they're building one another and they're growing together. It is such awesome stuff. Um, I've asked a couple to come and share this morning for just a minute uh, about, at one point about a year ago, they came to the place where uh, they were where a lot of us are at. What's my next step? I've invested myself in the Word of God. I'm growing, but I feel like there's just something more, right? There's something, there's something else there. There's another step I need to take. And they began to hear from the Lord about it. And so, um, Henry and Marcia, can I get you guys to come up? Thanks, guys. I'll get you a microphone. Oh, they're packing. <laughs> Would you guys just share with us a, a little bit about kind of how the Lord began to speak to you and, and how you responded to that and kind of where you're at now, what, what, the, what things were like for you? Sure. Thanks, Thanks Seth. Is it? Yeah. All right, good. Thank, first, let's just say, hey, Lord, we just hope that the words that we speak come from you and to glorify you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. amen. I work with Seth on the men's ministry, and whenever I come up here, I cry. And on the way down here, I thought, I can do it. Today, I'm not going to cry. And I've been crying the whole service. <laughs> so hopefully, I can, I can bear with it. But what happened with me is, is I sat out there for a lot of years, and then I, I go home. And then the Bible would just kind of go on the counter, and, and I didn't do too much with it. And I was the one that, at, at Joel Osteen's on at 7 o'clock in the morning, right? And I could watch Joel, and then I couldn't do anything the rest of the day. You know, so <laughs> Seth was speaking my language. And so about five years ago, I came and helped. We both came and helped at VBS, and I felt so odd. I had no idea. Every step I took, I was like, wow, what do I do next? You know, and, and, and I had no clue. But I knew I was there. And I knew how I had a heart to serve. And I then decided, hey, let's, let's go with this. Because as Seth said, if we're not growing, we're decaying. There is no in-between. And so I decided that, that this stubborn, selfish 60 or 55-year-old at that point needed to get to work. And so I gave, and I go out and I teach the fourth to sixth graders a couple times a month, right? And there's a verse about burying the scripture in your heart. I didn't know any scripture whatsoever. And those little kids, they just learn them in, in five minutes, right? And so I started to get that in there. And all of a sudden, I'm talking to people, and I'm, I'm citing scripture. It was like, wow, this is pretty crazy, you know? I mean, you know, I can actually do this. And then we got in and we started the men's ministry, you know, and, and thank goodness Seth, praise the Lord, Seth kicks me along, and what happens is when I take the next step, God meets me every time, but I have to take the step, you know, and, and I pulled out a Bible, I got a whole bunch of them, but I pulled out this one Bible from like 10 years ago, and it says, God has extraordinary things to do for us ordinary people, right? I remember I had no confidence at all that I could do any of these things, but I'm doing them, and my faith grows. And, and, and Seth said, what's the win? Three of the little girls that I spent time with this week got baptized. And... Wow. It was like, this is so cool. And I had a little part of that, you know? Sorry. <laughs> Thanks, Henry. Oh, yeah, I got to use this thing. 
uh, unlike him, I didn't even want to think about what I was going to say this morning because I got so nervous. So I just said, Lord, you know, I really need help. And I asked for a word. And he gave me a word, but he said it was for you. And it's um, Psalms 18.25. And I'm going to paraphrase. I should read it directly. But uh, he said, uh, no, I'll read it. it is. To the faithful, show yourself faithful. I'm sorry. To the faithful, you show yourself faithful. And that's his word for me as well. And that is, Pastor Terry came up here one, this is a little over a year ago. And Pastor Seth followed it, I think maybe the next week. And they were both saying, We need you. We need you to serve. We need you to help. And these kids, particularly, and man, I think all of us feel the same, that we want the kids in Rochester and Tenino and Olympia, we want them to know the Lord. And what he's saying with that word is, step into serving, and I will be faithful to get everything you need. And the first, uh, well, the first time when I heard Pastor Terry say it, I'm like, I am sure he's talking to somebody else. <laughs> I'm sure. And then, doggone it, I walked out of church and pretended to forget about it. And then <laughs> Pastor Seth said it the following Sunday. And it was so clear, like the Lord is like grabbing me to serve in this, in children's ministry. Now, my husband has been doing it for five years, and he's... He's a kid, so he does really good. (laughs) But for me, I couldn't understand it. It It's like, really? Teens? You know, high schoolers? What do I have to offer? Nothing. I really did believe I had nothing. And it's taken a solid year. The steps have been really challenging for me to show up. He just says, just show up. He's not asking me to do anything. I'm talking about the Lord. And I love that Aaron does everything. It's so cool. And he does it so well. But it's just show up. He's asking every one of you to just show up. If you want more of him, start serving because it's really amazing how he shows up. Recently, like the whole eight months, I would say, it's been a year now. But at least eight months, I'd show I'd I fought for the first months. I would fight it every Sunday. I'm like, seriously, Lord, I need to leave the family. I'm not supposed to make dinner for my husband. You know, I was using every excuse in the world. And you know what? At 4.30, he'd say, I'm serious. Are you listening? Do you really want to serve me? Then get out, get in the car. Many a Sunday night, I get here three minutes after, and I just hear him saying, well, you're getting better anyway. (laughs) Um, Finally, just a couple months ago, um, Aaron said, hey, would you be willing to teach a teen's Bible study for the girls? I'm like, of course I say yes. And then I go home, and I'm just freaking out. But he's literally showed me step by step where I should do it, who's going to come, how many books to buy, um, where we're going to hold it. And it's not anything that I've done. The Lord has put people in every step of the progress. That's awesome. So I don't have to do it. And I just thank the Lord because he he's amazing how he uses every one of us. And I watched it too in, this bio, in the VBS. Well, thank you guys so much. Thank you. Would you say it's been a blessing to you? Oh. Amazing. Say that again. The love is amazing. It's for, amazing. For all of you guys and for all those kids particularly. Thank you guys. <laughs> Give them a hand. Yeah, that's scary stuff coming up here. Yeah, Terry, Terry's, I'm sure, said it, and I'll say it to these microphones, suck the brains right out of you. You get them in your hand, and it's, yeah, it's terrifying up here. You guys are scary. Nah, not too scary. We love you. So, um, 
Thank you, Henry and Marsha, for sharing. God is doing things like that throughout our church, throughout the body of Christ, right? As people begin to step up to that next win for them, right? It's that place of, of, I know I've been going to church. I know I've been reading the Word of God. I've been sitting at the feet of Jesus, but something's stirring in my heart that there's something more. And it's found right here. It's found when we link arms, terrified to death, and say, you know what, Jesus, I'm going to follow you, and I'm going I'm to go and I'm going to get myself involved in some aspect of what you're doing. And you'll know what it is. The Lord will begin dropping something in your soul about a need, and he'll bring you people to do it with. He doesn't lead you in there alone. He links arms with you, and, and great things happen. But listen, we have to put first things first, all right? It begins with the Word of God. Understand here in, in Hebrews where the author says, let's move on from here if God permits. There are times when the Lord does not permit us to move on because we have to put the first things first. We have to begin investing in the Word of God because if we go out and we begin serving to appease God or somehow uh, make ourselves feel like I'm good enough, that's not God's heart. God's heart is that we serve from a place of health and abundance from what He's doing in us so that we can pour out to others. Listen, leadership is simply this, influence. When we lead, when we influence the people around us, and every one of you are leaders, you're influencing somebody somewhere, for good or for bad. As the Lord begins to shape us, He will put people in our path, maybe one, maybe a little one, right, who, who He wants to use you to influence. Our kids and even the, the grown-ups in our men's ministry and women's ministry are not looking for someone to be like them. They're looking for someone to be like, right? All we do is be like Jesus as He's developing us, right? Here's another thing, though. Be aware of this. There are seasons where we need to rest and grow. There are seasons where we need to rest and grow and, and allow the Lord to develop health in us. And as we get healthy, the Spirit of God begins to nudge us. And there, there's, there's a place where we can be. How many of you know that, um, well, never mind. I'm not going to say this. I'm going to say something different. Um, I want to be sensitive to the Lord about, about what I say. Um, there's a fine line between healthy and, and getting to the place where all of a sudden we start to feel stagnant. Right? You ever been to that place where you feel like, you know what, I just I feel like the waters have just been sitting here for too long, right? And that usually is a sign that the Holy Spirit's saying, hey, come along, step out in faith and trust me and let's go to the next step. Let's go to the next win, right? I'm gonna leave it at that, but let me, let me uh, just re reiterate this one more time for you before we get out of here. Your win, the Lord has a win for you today. He has a win for you. He has a habit that we've talked about today that the Lord wants to nurture in you. And it's gonna take us doing something. But what's your win today? Maybe your win is investing in the Word of God. Maybe it's allowing, investing more and allowing our character to be shaped and our actions and our attitudes to be different, right, as we walk in obedience with Him. Maybe it's deciding, you know what, I, I'm, I'm wounded and I'm hurting and, and uh, I've had bad experiences at church before, but you know what, Lord, I'm going to trust you and I'm going to go to church. I'm going to take that step of, of faith in you and, and I'm going to do a difficult thing and I'm going to begin trusting again, but I'm going to step out. I'm going to tell you today, Crossroads is a safe place. Crossroads is a safe place for you. If, if, you're, if you're wounded, if you're hurting, it's a safe place. Come and be part. And it may be the next win for you is you're, you've invested yourself in, in going to church and, and you've invested yourself in the Word of God and you're, you're feeling like there's got to be something more. You know what? We, we have opportunities for you to link arms with you and begin pursuing God's call on your life. And we want to see that be worked out, all right? Let's, let's close in prayer. 
Heavenly Father, we just come before you today, and, and Jesus, I just pray, Lord, over anyone here today who, who is broken, Lord, whose heart is hurting, and who's at the place where they say, you know what, I just don't know what to do next. Father, I pray that today you would deposit in their heart their next step. Lord, your word says that, that your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light to our path. Lord, I pray that you would light the next step. Light the next step, Father, right now. Lord, just drop it in their heart right now. Now I want you just to be sensitive to the Lord right now, to hear from him about your next step, about the, the, the habit you need to nurture to accomplish that next win in your walk with Jesus. I'm just going to wait for the Lord for a second. I want you to hear him. I want you to hear that thing. If you're here today and and you've never given your life to Jesus, I want you to know today you have an opportunity. The Bible says if anyone is in Christ, is a new creation. Old things have passed away and everything has been made new. And I want to invite you to know the King of kings and the Lord of lords today. He wants to invite you into a relationship with him. The Bible says if we confess with our mouth and believe in our hearts that Jesus Christ is Lord, we'll be saved. If that's you today, this is all it is. Heavenly Father, would you forgive me of my sin? Lord, I've failed to live perfectly and righteously, which is your standard. Lord, would you forgive me? Would you be my righteousness? I receive Jesus today. It doesn't even have to be those words, just something of humility in your heart towards the living God and confessing it with your mouth. Jesus, come into my heart. If that's you today, before you leave here, I'd like you to find one person and just tell them, you know what, I gave my life to Jesus today. Up here at the front of the stage on my right, we're going to have a a couple of people available to pray with you. If you need prayer about anything, they would love to meet you and pray with you. And if you want to just go tell them, hey, you know what? I gave my life to Jesus today. I'm going to invite you to do that. Guys, God bless you. See you next week. Have a fantastic day.